0: welcome to retina and focus a vrc podcast stay ahead of your eye health with insights from the nation's leading doctors in retina and macula
1: care for more information visit vrcny.com we hope you enjoyed this episode welcome to a new episode of retina in focus a vrc podcast my name is dr juan romero and i'm here with my partner dr jessica lee we are both retina specialists at Vito Retina Consultants of New York, which is part of Retina Consultants of America. Today's topic is diabetic retinopathy. It's a very important topic. In fact, November has been declared the Diabetic Eye Disease Awareness Month. It affects up to 8 million people in the United States. And the occurrence is in about more than half of people diagnosed with diabetes. And is the most preventable cause of blindness in adults in working age. Let's talk about the retina and the retinopathy.
0: So people might be wondering what is the retina? So the retina is the most important part of the eye. It's if you were to think about the eye like a camera, the retina is the film of the eye. So it's the nervous neuronal tissue that lines the back of the eye. And if you have diabetes, what happens is it can damage the small blood vessels in the retina. And that can cause people to lose vision. And diabetic retinopathy is basically when diabetes affects the blood vessels of the eyes. That can cause swelling and leakage and problems that can lead to vision loss. So, Dr. Romero, do you want to tell us how do we check for diabetic retinopathy?
1: It's very important to detect it early. So, people with diabetic retinopathy can have symptoms such as blurry vision, floaters, shadows. Even loss of vision, but you don't want to wait until you have a problem. You yeah. have to detect it early. Yeah,
0: because you know plenty of people have diabetes and they think their vision is fine. That some people don't have any symptoms, and then by the time they come see us, when we do when we examine their eyes, we see a lot of diabetic eye changes. So even if people don't have symptoms, it's very important to get screens. Can you tell us who should get screens?
1: Yes, absolutely. All diabetics are at risk of developing diabetic diabetes type 1, diabetes type 2, gestational or pregnancy-related diabetes, they're all at risk. So at least people have to have diabetes type 1 and 2. They have to have at least once a year uh, dilated eye exam. Dilated eye exam means uh, with dilation of the pupils so the retina specialist can look in the back of the eye. And more often, the exam has to be more often if the doctor detects any degree of retinopathy. But, uh, you know, Not everybody gets diabetic retinopathy at the beginning of the diagnosis of diabetes. So let's talk about the risk factors for Mm -hmm. diabetic retinopathy.
0: So basically anyone that has diabetes can have diabetic retinopathy. People who are at the highest risk are people who've had it for a long time. So duration is very important. Depending on how well controlled or poorly controlled your diabetes is, it's also a risk factor. Anyone with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, pregnancy, these are all risk factors for people developing diabetic retinopathy. But the most important is the duration of how long you've had diabetes. Oftentimes when people are diagnosed though with diabetes, doesn't mean if you got diagnosed with diabetes last month, the diabetes started then. It's possible that you've had diabetes for longer than your actual diagnosis. We recommend that anybody who gets a diagnosis of diabetes comes in for an eye exam. And what's the difference between getting your eyes checked by a regular ophthalmologist versus a retina specialist? Can you tell us how that may be
1: different? Yes. So when the patient comes to us, is because they have been seen by a regular general eye doctors, mm-hmm. an optometrist or an ophthalmologist and they saw something in the back of the eye. They detected some kind of hemorrhages, or they noticed some decreased vision with something that looks like there's some swelling in the back of the eye. When the patient comes for the first time, we take a complete history. We, As part of the exam, besides vision pressure and the exam of the front of the eye, we also put drops in the eye to dilate the pupil so we can have a full view of the back of the eye. And so we examine the the back of the eye, and also we use a lot of um, imaging, the special photography to evaluate the health of the retina. So one of the common tests that we do is called fluorescent angiography, in which we evaluate the circulation of the back of the eye, a special vegetable-based dye is injected in the vein in the arm, and that shows us the circulation in the back of the eye and help us stage the retinopathy, basically. See how the circulation is, how much leakage there is, if there's any abnormal new vessels. Also, we use another instrument called OCT. It does look at the macula area. It looks at the thickness of the retina, and it helps us detect the diabetic macular edema. So that's the experience, basically. And depending on the findings, we'll recommend treatment. Dr. Lee, what do you want to tell our audience about the different stages of direct retinopathy? Mm -hmm.
0: So nonproliferative diabetic retinopathy is when the blood vessels are affected, but leakage has not occurred, meaning new blood vessels have not grown in yet. And proliferative diabetic retinopathy is when the nonproliferative diabetic retinopathy has gotten worse and there's bleeding. When there's bleeding in the eye, it can lead to vision loss. It can cause sparring in the eye, which can lead to a retinal detachment. And these are all things that you want to avoid when you have diabetes. And in addition to Diabetic retinopathy, What you can also develop, is what we call diabetic macular edema. Macular edema is actually the most common cause for vision loss in diabetics. And diabetic macular edema involves the central part of the retina, which is called the macula. It's the most important part of the eye. And even if your diabetic retinopathy is not that severe, unfortunately, you can develop diabetic macular edema. Can you tell us some of the symptoms that somebody might have if they have diabetic macular edema, Dr. Romero?
1: So uh, patients can experience just blurry vision, difficulty reading or seeing objects at any distance. And it would be
0: quite scary, right? They're functioning yeah. fine and all of a sudden they cover one eye and they just don't see very well. Sometimes people, when the blurry vision happens, that's what really is the wake-up call for a lot of people to manage their diabetes better. Because vision loss is scary for anybody. Yeah. But Thankfully, we have a lot of treatments that we could offer for diabetic macular yeah. edema.
1: So when the patient has blurry vision already is because either the macula has edema or there's a vitreous hemorrhage or a hemorrhage in the inside the eye that is blocking the view, or it could be a scar tissue membranes that are pulling on the retina and it's affecting the retina, especially in the central part called the macula. So. When people have inflators or shadows or loss of vision, it may be at a very advanced stage. We can still do treatments, but it's much better to treat early before people have symptoms.
0: I would say the scariest, though, is when young people have diabetes and they have no symptoms. They come into us with 20-20 vision. Their vision's perfect. They don't have any diabetic macular edema but they have a very advanced form of proliferative diabetic retinopathy. So you might wonder, how do you go from zero to nothing all of a sudden? But it depends on what part of the eye the diabetes has affected. And when people present in the very advanced stages, we have treatment that we can offer them, but it can be very concerning and scary because you're closer to vision loss. So some of the treatments we have are we have lasers and injections and surgery, but you really want to try to avoid surgery if we can, just because who wants to have eye surgery if they don't need it, right? Injection sounds scary because it's a needle going into your eye, but it, thankfully it's very effective and it's vision saving. So Dr. Romero, can you tell us what is involved in giving an injection to a patient?
1: Yes. So when the patient needs treatment with injections, it's because they have either diabetic macular edema or they have proliferative diabetic retinopathy, growth of abnormal nerve vessels on the surface of the retina. And this treatment is very effective, but it's not a permanent treatment. It has to be maintained. You know, everybody's different. Some people start with getting monthly injections. And if they respond well, maybe the number of injections can be decreased or the spacing between injections can be increased. So, what to expect? It's a very small needle. It's just the needle is very thin, very short. It's, it's it's like a hair, and it's very short needle. It goes through the white part of the eye. Of course, the eye will be anesthetized, and the and we use a lot of anesthetic and antiseptic, so there's no pain or minimal pain or discomfort and no infection. And it's just to deliver the medication inside the eye. And what we're injecting nowadays, the standard of care is a drug called, and there are different brands, but it's basically called anti-VEGF, which is an antibody against the factor that makes vessels grow and leak. And it's the same kind of medication that is used for wet macular degeneration. So it sounds scary, but once the patients start with the first treatments, they then they know it's not such a, a painful or traumatic experience. But it's very effective. So we use that a lot for diabetic macular edema. We used to use a lot of laser before these injections were available for diabetic macular edema, but the laser doesn't seem to be as effective. Only a small percentage of people with diabetic macular edema would benefit from laser perhaps only the ones that have a very localized area of swelling or edema before it reaches the center, No, So that's the standard of care for diabetic macular edema. Dr. Lee, now let's talk about the treatment for proliferative diabetic retinopathy.
0: For proliferative diabetic retinopathy, there's a combination of treatment that's needed often where we use injections, the same medication that's used to treat diabetic macular edema, the anti-VEGF injections, is very effective against treating proliferative diabetic retinopathy as well. However, because proliferative diabetic retinopathy is a more advanced stage of diabetes, we oftentimes need to use laser to treat this problem also. So the benefit of laser, I say, it's more permanent. I mean, once you get laser, you don't have to keep getting it again. Whereas with the medicine that we inject into the eye, because it only lasts for a certain amount of time, usually four to six weeks, the injections you have to continue to get until the disease quiets down. But with the laser, it's very effective in preventing blindness and vision loss from bleeding in the eye. To summarize, to treat diabetic macular edema, the mainstay of treatment are anti-VEGF injections and people do incredibly well. And for peripheral diabetic retinopathy, the two most effective treatments are combination of anti-VEGF injections, as well as pan-retinol photocoagulation, which is the laser treatment that we offer. Very important note here is that no matter how severe your diabetic eye disease is, though we have lots of treatments for the eye, the most important thing that you can do to prevent disease progression is to make sure your diabetes is well controlled. Absolutely. Right? It's if you ask any doctor, any retina doctor who treats diabetes, we ask them, what's the most important thing I can do? What's the best treatment? It's control your A1C, control your A1C, control your a one cs Making sure your sugars are well controlled, making sure your high blood pressure, your high cholesterol is well controlled is really important because... The high blood pressure, the high cholesterol, and the sugars can really damage and rise. And smoking is also a risk factor to cause your diabetic retinopathy to get worse. Though we've talked about the treatments that we can offer as eye doctors, as retina specialists to the eye, again, we can't overemphasize enough that to avoid complications and to avoid progression of diabetic retinopathy really controlling your sugars is the most important thing, which is really hard. We understand, but this is a problem that you really have to work closely with your internal medicine doctor, your primary care doctor, your endocrinologist, and checking those sugars is really important. I think that's the most important thing. And though we talk about how effective our treatments are, and they are, the best thing is to try to avoid to even get to this point. Yes.
1: Yes. Some patients benefit also from weight loss Yeah. and uh, staying active. The more active, the more exercise yeah. you do, the better the sugar yeah. control. And
0: weight loss, it sounds scary because people think I have to lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, but even just 5 pounds, 10 pounds can make a dramatic change. And it's pretty amazing because as retina specialists, we take photos of the back of the eye and the retina is like the one place where you can actually see the nerve and your blood vessels. Like in any yeah. other heart of the body, if you want to see something, you have to get a CAT scan, an MRI, but... If you come into our office and you take pictures, it could be very eye-opening to see exactly what the damage is. So people who haven't had their sugars poorly controlled, seeing problems in their eye is often the wake-up call, right? And I've had patients, and I'm sure Dr. Romero has also, where they come in, their A1C is not the best, and they have high blood pressure that's not that well controlled, high cholesterol that could be a little bit better, but just with a few lifestyle modifications, it can make a dramatic difference.
1: Yeah, I just want to go back to the treatment of proliferative, Mm -hmm. but the goal of the laser, I mentioned laser for diabetic macular edema, and that was a, a laser trying to cauterize the leaking vessels. The laser for proliferative retinopathy is more extensive and yeah. more in the periphery. Yeah. And this kind of laser cauterizes the areas of poor circulation, the areas of retina that are not getting any blood supply in order to decrease the amount of vascular growth factor that is causing the proliferation of the new vessels. Yeah. So Tell us more about complications about with proliferative diabetic retinopathy.
0: So, proliferative diabetic retinopathy is scary. Unfortunately, it could really cause vision loss and permanent blindness. With treatment, we could avoid that. But what happens is, proliferative means that new blood vessels are growing, and it's almost like one drop of blood in the toilet bowl, where it doesn't take much blood to really block your vision. So, proliferative diabetic retinopathy can cause blood in the eye, which we call vitreous hemorrhage. And when blood develops, it can cause scar tissue to develop. And when scar tissue develops, it can cause a retinal detachment. And for these two issues, that's when people need surgery. We operate very extensively here at vitreoretinal Retinal Consultants. And if you need eye surgery, we can take care of it. We do surgery to remove the blood of the eye and reattach the retina. But again, the best thing is to not ever have to need that. But if you do need it, surgery is definitely an option.
1: Yes, another stage of proliferation that I want to mention is sometimes the proliferation is so aggressive mm-hmm. that even new vessels start growing in the front of the eye, mm-hmm. causing blockage of the drainage of the aqueous in the front of the eye and the pressure goes up and yeah. people develop neovascular glaucoma. Yeah. So Some people, they never want to see an eye doctor and all of a sudden they lost vision and they're having pain and the pressures, the eye pressure is very high. Yeah. And they get referred and we see new vessels growing in the color part of the eye, the iris. And that's a sign of a very advanced disease and we have to be very aggressive with injections, laser, and sometimes we even have to do surgery in combination with glaucoma surgery. So diabetic retinopathy can be a very serious uh, disease. Because
0: not only can it affect the retina, it's also affecting the nerve. And though we can treat it, it could still lead to permanent vision loss. So. This all sounds very scary, doom and gloom, but we mentioned this because a lot of people don't think that diabetes is that scary if their vision is fine and they have diabetes, right? We're talking about kind of the worst case scenarios. And unfortunately, we see it too often, but with good control and with regular follow-up, this can definitely be all prevented. And even if you have diabetic grapnotate, yeah. with good treatment, you can maintain and save your vision and Really, with laser, with the injections, with surgery, if needed, it's been incredible to see how patients can do really well. I mean, with this all, of course, under the umbrella of assuming that people have gotten their sugars well-controlled and their blood pressure and their cholesterol
1: well-controlled. Yeah, Yeah, we can emphasize enough the importance of prevention. The A1C, we tell our patients they have to be at seven or less, A1C of seven or less. If they're doing a good job with the sugar, that's the goal. Yeah. It's
0: not just about the eyes, too. If your A1C is around 10, 12, that's the risk for stroke. I mean, the diabetes can affect not just your eyes, your kidneys, your nerves, we have, patients, yeah, we have patients with severe diabetes who end up getting dialysis, amputations. It's scary, but this can all be prevented with good diabetic control. So maybe we can talk about what to expect when you first come into our office, when you see a retina specialist, what's involved in that. Did we talk about that?
1: Yeah, we just dilated. Yeah. We do the fundus exam. We yeah. examine the back of the eye. Usually the first visit involves the fluorescent angiography to see how severe the retinopathy is. I would do an angiogram. For anybody who has any kind of retina hemorrhages. Yeah, yeah. or
0: anyone sometimes I will do it if they've had diabetes for over 10-15 years, even if I don't see much, sometimes a fluorescein androgam could be quite revealed. Reveal. So it's a very safe test. Expect your first visit with a retina specialist to be a little longer than what you're usually expect, what you're used to, with the regular eye doctor, because we are dilating your eyes. That means your pupil gets big so we can see the back of the eye. And we do a lot of images, and that really helps us diagnose what's Mm -hmm. going on. And so with the fluorescent angiogram, like Dr. Ramirez was saying, we can see really what the circulation is in the back of your eye, what the blood vessels are doing. And that really tells us how bad the diabetes is.
1: And on the OCT, we do the OCT, And then we decide if the retinopathy is mild, if it's non-proliferative and it's mild, we decide if we need to see the patient every come back in three months, six months. Depends on whether there's the, the diabetic macular edema. If it's very mild, away from the center, sometimes we watch and we tell the patients to lower the A1C. Sometimes we need to start treatment either with focal laser or uh, intravitreal injections. And so the interval of visits depends on the stage of the disease, basically. But there's been tremendous advances in therapy these days. So early detection, number one. Number two, early treatment. You don't want to wait until you you are at the end stage advanced disease proliferation and needing surgery to treat it. If the proliferation just started, if the diabetic macular edema just started, there's a much better treatment response if you treat early, like any other disease in the body. It's very important to come early and be treated. And in fact, with injections, we have noticed in our patients and also the studies have have shown that by doing the injections in the eye, let's say we were treating moderate to severe diabetic uh, non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy with diabetic macular edema, we're doing the injection. So we're seeing regression of the stage of the retinopathy. We see less hemorrhages. We see a retina that looks healthier. And there's uh, new therapies in the pipeline. Right now, the injections are monthly, then every two months, depending on the patient. But there's some therapies that are promising that may be longer lasting. So patients may need treatment less often. Any other advances that come to your mind?
0: There have been three mainstay injections for the longest time. And mm-hmm. a few years ago, there was a fourth one that was added on into their armamentarium of anti-VEGF injections. And most recently, there's a new one that's been available that has been shown to be very effective as well. So thankfully, in our offices, we're also part of a lot of clinical trials. And that's really where advancements happen. And it's a really great way for patients to get involved, try new therapies that they might not have been able to access due to insurance issues or tons of issues. And so that also is very exciting because to know that we're able to stay at the cutting edge of any type of treatment options that are available, it gives me confidence when we treat patients is let them know they're receiving the best care.
1: Yeah. The other treatment that we didn't mention that is also injectable is intravitreal steroids. Some patients with diabetic macular edema don't seem to respond to the standard of care, which is anti-VEGF therapy, but intravitreal steroids has an anti-inflammatory component, which sometimes is one of the big uh, factors in diabetic macular edema. So we try anti-VEGF, it doesn't work. We have another option, which is the intravitreal steroids.
0: And the benefit of that is that it can last longer in the eye, but there is complications sometimes with steroids that some people can't have. It's very rare, but it can cause pressures to go up or cataracts to develop. So... Really depending on what your eye needs is what will decide what is best for you. Yeah. But people do very well with antibiotics injections, with steroid injections, and it's been really rewarding and it's been amazing to see, like Dr. Romero said, to be able to see disease regression and reversal just by what we do and give people back their vision. It's really amazing.
1: Yeah. 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 And the other thing I want to mention is there's some future into generic therapy. There's a new medication that is given into the eye under the retina that with a vector virus, genetic material is given to the cells under the retina and they start making their own anti-VEGF medication, which is maybe a one-time treatment and done. So there's going to be a new trial coming up in which this therapy may be an option. Yeah, That's very exciting. Yeah. Dr. Lee, let's talk about the difference between the general eye doctor and non-the retina specialist.
0: Okay. There's general eye doctors, there's optometrists and there's ophthalmologists. So a retina specialist is somebody who's had additional training in addition to what a general ophthalmologist has received. Ophthalmologists and retina specialists both go to med school for four years and do residency for three years. But a retina specialist, in addition to that, we get two years of extra surgical trainings in order to do future retinal surgeries. Optometrists and ophthalmologists are so important and so amazing because they are really at the front lines of really diagnosing and oftentimes seeing the patient firsthand and seeing that they have diabetic retinopathy. But when you need treatment, you can often come to see us and we're the ones who will do the injections, the laser and the surgery.
1: Do we want to talk about a little bit about the surgery?
0: Yep. So if you do need surgery, the experience is you'll come in for an exam with us. We'll assess your eye, exactly how bad it is. And if you do need surgery, we'll schedule it. It's oftentimes it's not emergent, thankfully, in most situations. You go to the operating room and we work with a team of wonderful nurses and anesthesiologists Oftentimes, you don't have to be completely asleep. There's an anesthesiologist in the room. You don't have to undergo general anesthesia most of the time, but it's always a case-by-case situation. I say it's almost like going for a colonoscopy where you're in twilight. You receive a med- some medicine to calm you down and um, make you feel more at ease. And a surgery itself usually takes about two hours, less than. You go home, depending on kind of what the problem is, It can. there's a wide range. Some surgeries take shorter, some surgeries take longer. You go home the same day. At the end of the surgery, you'll have a patch and a shield on that covers your eye for about one day. And then you come back the next day. We take the patch and the shield off and we see how your eye is doing. Sometimes we... Tell patients, hey, your vision might be worse for a little bit while you're recovering because sometimes you have to put a gas bubble into the eye while we work in the eye. The surgery that we do is called a vitrectomy. That means that we're removing the vitreous of the eye and working inside the eyeball itself to fix the problem that's there. Sometimes in addition to a vitrectomy, we do what we call a scleral buckle where we put a silicone band around the eye. And these are all different techniques that we have to treat retinal detachments and bad eye diseases. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, the surgery is a little more involved than cataract surgery, but it's not a, it's not too scary. In fact, the risk of infection compared to cataract surgery is less. Yeah. The eye will be completely numb. The small openings are made through the white part of the eye to get access in t- inside the eye. The pupil will be dilated and through the microscope, we can see everything inside the eye. The instruments are microscopic. And most common procedure for diabetic proliferative retinopathy uh, is for vitreous hemorrhages. No, we go inside and we remove the vitreous humor and we clean up the, the blood, the vitreous. We remove all the vitreous and then uh, we look around and we usually supplement with laser, yeah. uh, peripheral laser. And if somebody has a, a traction, you know, scar tissue membranes from advanced proliferation, we go inside and we peel the membranes, we cut them with scissors, we have forceps. We have all kinds of gadgets that help us carefully manipulate on the surface of the retina without damaging the retina. The retina is very delicate. It's as thin or, or even thinner than a butterfly wing. So yeah, it's perfect. pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we have multiple that we use and it's amazing how... People really go from not seeing to seeing, right? Uh, Dr. Romero is taking care of patients in Detroit, in New York City, as have I. And it's amazing how I've had patients who can't see out of both eyes, they come in. They can't even come by themselves. We need somebody to come in with them. And when it's an eye full of blood and they get surgery, they can see it's really incredible. But again, we can't emphasize enough. Surgery is not what you want to have if you don't have of course, to um, yeah. But thankfully, surgery is so safe that the risk versus the benefits far outweigh the risk if, if it's come to a point where you need to have yes. the eye surgery done.
1: Yeah. I recently had a case of uh, a patient in the early 30s. He was from Puerto Rico. He was di- diabetic type 1 and he n- never took care of his yeah, diabetes yeah. well and he came to New York to study and he came to my office blind on both eyes he, yeah. he couldn't even read the uh, you know what he needed to yeah. read to study he always had another companion he had both eyes with vitreous hemorrhage and tractional retinal detachments i did surgery in both eyes unfortunately he recovered vision in both eyes enough to read Um, And he's back to his study. He went back to Puerto Rico. So I'm very, it's very satisfying when these patients do well.
0: And it's like that patient profile of the young person with type one or type two diabetes, this working class group of people who are affected by diabetes. It's so unfortunate because to come to the eye doctor, it's not easy. You have to take a day off of work, and if you go see your endocrinologist, since it's difficult. But without good control, it could so scarily lead to vision loss. And but thankfully, we have amazing things that we can do to provide somebody with their vision back. Yeah, but I would say that patient profile of the young person with diabetes and life you're just too busy. And then boom, one day they're in a situation where they don't see, but we want to try to do everything we can to prevent to getting it to that point. But thankfully with lasers, injections and surgery, a lot of people can recover their vision back.
1: Okay. It's been a pleasure uh, being with you, Dr. Lee. It's such an interesting topic. I hope this was very informative for the audience of this podcast. And we hope that this kind of podcast can be helpful to our patient population. And it's been a pleasure being with you today. And we'll see you in the next episode. We thank you for your attention and your time.
0: Thank you.